0: Sports Radio Six Ten presents Payne and Pendergast. All right, so Mike Sando of the Athletic, I think you guys know how I feel about Mike Sando and his pick six column every Monday. I think it's one of the best summaries of the weekend that was in football, and this is no disappointment here with this. It's a really good recap of the Super Bowl. Mike Sando talks to a lot of people around the league. He's uh, he's at the forefront of the ability to get anonymous executives, coaches, scouts, players, and such to speak on the record with him.
1: And he also, like, yeah, and you can believe that he's giving the actual quotes. Yes. He's not sketchy. No, nope. a sketchy dude.
0: Here's, here's something that an executive said about the Kansas City Chiefs in the aftermath of the Chiefs winning their third Super Bowl in four years. Um, and talking about this version of the Chiefs, you know, maybe being a little different than the previous ones, where offensively this one wasn't quite as explosive as past versions, says this, this executive says this, quote, Yeah, it looks harder for them on offense until Mahomes finds Kelsey on every major third down, every major two-minute play, every major touchdown. Kansas City has the luxury of their best players being their toughest players. Okay, So he calls that a luxury. Chris Jones, very tough player. Kelsey, very tough player. Mahomes, very tough player. You wonder why they win games? Because the games are won by the toughest teams most of the time, end quote. Toughness is not a statistic you can measure, it's something you observe and it's a li- it's very subjective. Yeah. yeah. Um, my question is do you feel like Seth that the Texans' best players are their toughest players?
1: I guess um, yeah for one by the way I just I don't know if I agree with that assessment of like the 49ers versus the Chiefs especially in a game that came down to the second possession of overtime. But um are they like the chiefs when it comes to their level of toughness i think the, the important thing is that they're very good young key players seem to be genuinely tough dudes yes and i would start with tank dell like just by virtue of uh, you know when you, if you take size into if you take size into account then he's got that junkyard dog that you know, he's a, he's a chihuahua who thinks he's a junkyard dog like, he's tough as hell. He'll fight anybody anytime. you know? And he's got a chip on his shoulder to prove it. Without having that, like, chip on the shoulder outward personality, you can tell that he's still trying to prove. Sometimes it's his detriment. He doesn't need to be in there on, on goal line <laughs> yeah. way up in Get there. Get his leg <laughs> broken.
0: We, we know you're yeah. tough.
1: You don't have to break your leg. It's all good. But I think C.J. Stroud, plenty tough, uh, like, obviously. I think you and I, in the weeks leading up to that Jets game when he was concussed, it was really obvious – like how much pain he was in, and how beat up his body He's getting was. Hit a and lot, the, yeah. The biggest thing, too, Sean, was him after he came back from the concussion. Somebody had asked him about whether maybe it was good that his body had gotten a, re- a, a break. It, 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 well, he was also recovering from the concussion, and he mentioned that his shoulder needed time to rest. Yeah, and and that was remember week two right when he separated his shoulder yeah so he's been playing with it with a the the lingering effects of a separated shoulder the entire season so I don't think anybody doubts his toughness I think same thing for Will Anderson he's out there playing on a high ankle sprain and producing really really big in the last game of the regular season uh on a high ankle sprain so yeah I uh I'd I'd feel fine about all those guys
0: okay so so the 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 Executive that was making that point said their best players are their toughest players. This is a team that's very tough. I agree with you on C.J. Stroud. I agree with you on Will Anderson. The Texans had three guys make the Pro Bowl this year. Those two and Laramie Tunsil. And now we start to get into a conversation about not just Laramie, but the offensive line in general. And I hate to question toughness. I wouldn't question Laramie's toughness when it comes to maybe like injury... In, like pain right, he tolerance, played, yeah, he had to
1: play through injuries all year played long, played on a bad knee all year yeah. long. But play. I think, like, I think, like, if, if you look at Trent Williams, the left tackle for the 49ers, like, all right, that's a dude that dude's a certified badass, yes. And he's you know, he did have two bad penalties at the beginning of that game. Is <laughs> that it's a, I, it was a big hit for me as somebody who brags about Trent Williams a lot. But Trent Williams, like, he's a badass, and you know, he's especially a badass in the run game. As well as in the pass game, or when he goes out on screens, he looks like he's out for blood. And I don't think like Laramie Tunsell's that same type of player. You know, Laramie Tunsell's uh, just more of a—he's incredibly athletic and very, very good at pass protection. Doesn't always seem that interested in run blocking, and um, that's just who he is. So I don't—but I don't think he's—he's he's not like the guy that. You, you send off the bus first because he's a big, scary dude or anything like that.
0: You might visually, but he doesn't play like that Some at, at times. You know what I mean? Like, boy, he sure looks scary.
1: Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Does he look scary? His, I, this, m- was, uh, CJ, this was CJ Stroud on the pivot. Okay. Uh, Channing, Crowder, Channing Crowder, one of the hosts of the pivot, chimes in. But this is CJ Stroud talking about, I believe it was the Bengals game when in the huddle, he could tell that like the offensive line was engaged and ready to go. They were, uh, they were. No, it was either the Bengals or the Bucks game. One of those two games that they were, that they were ready and they wanted to win.
0: It was like, what's the play? Like we rocking, what you see, you know. Like the main dude was LT. Like you know, LT. Like he a vet, vet. Like yeah. he not doing an extra practice. Like <laughs> you know, like y'all sat with him. He's the it, coolest O lineman in the world. And like he, he will. Call your bluff. And he knows real, he knows fake. But right. every time I like, I, mean, I know we're gonna score is when I look at LT. He like, like yeah. that's his look he gave me, like, look at me with his eyes all big. He shake his head. Right. And he got like diamond teeth. Like it's
1: like he got like, the whole thing going. He big and cute. That gave him a hard time when he came home. The big cute <laughs> yeah, like, bro. You can't be 350 with the diamond teeth and with the He got his own swag. I'm not, <laughs> I don't call no, I don't know,
0: <laughs> <swag>. <laughs> 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 I guess, you know, like toughness takes on different definitions depending on your position on the field. Yeah, like, yeah. I think C.J. Stroud is tough because, A, he's very tough-minded, and, B, he can take some pretty good licks. Mm. Um, you know, Will Anderson, you know, pain tolerance, obviously, motor. You know, I'm talking about Will's motor, not motor singletary. Like, Will's, like, nonstop just you, – you, Will fights through three guys on every play, it feels like, from t- at times. Um that's the one, man. Like, that's the. Like, is Laramie Tunsil, is this offensive line, are they, do they have enough dog in that offensive line to do what we know? I know we're talking, I know we're comparing them to Kansas City, but I think we can just as easily compare them to San Francisco and look at their offensive line and what they do in the run game and whatnot. And I think mm-hmm. if, you're, if you're talking about Laramie Tunsil, hey, man, he's the one that wants to be compared to Trent Williams. He's the one that's saying, I should be a first team all pro. He's the one yeah. inviting those analogies, not us, you know? Right, 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 So, yeah. So I think he, I, you make a good point, which is, man, like, Trent, like Trent Williams is a killer. Is right. Lar- is Laramie Tunsil a killer? I d- no, to- no, no.
1: He's really, really good at what he does. Very just, good. Like, it's not even an insult or anything. But, yeah, in terms of, like, that part of it or, like, what kind of, um, uh, uh, you know, the part that <laughs> CJ's calling him a vet, vet. Like, you know, he doesn't do anything extra than he needs to do. that like he's not that old. <laughs> like he's he was in his eighth year this year. Right. He's not even thirty yet. That part of it, I question and I wonder, like, why? And he's been like that for a couple years now. Like he's there are guys that get a little too excited about being vets long before they're genuine veterans. So um, yeah, it doesn't. It's not bad. It's not. It's not. It doesn't have to be a horrible thing or anything. I just don't think he's necessarily going to be the the bell cow for toughness for the team compared to like a will anderson or a tank dell or cj that
0: that's my my biggest concern i haven't sat down and jotted down my list yet for the texans i guess one of my biggest concerns is the fact that this is the offensive line they're committed to they're they are committed financially to laramie Tunsil, titus howard Shaq mason they're very committed via draft capital to juice scruggs yeah. Whatever Kenyon Green is at this point. I mean, I don't, I don't even know what Kenyon Green looks like at this point and how much he's been in a gym or whatnot, but he's coming yeah. back from injury. Uh, I'll throw Jared Patterson in there because he played a lot as a rookie and he's yeah. going to be part of this thing. There's – if you want to draft offensive linemen with your high draft capital, knock yourself out and do it. If you want to go sign one, knock yourself out. But it is going to come at a major
1: cost. The, the whole thing about the, there's this, though, too, Sean. Like, the whole premise is kind of bogus. Like – is this somebody sitting there. Are they actually telling us that the reason Travis Kelsey is so good is because he's so tough? No, oh, he's an awesome receiving tight end. He's not. He can't block for crap. Like when you compare him to Gronkowski in terms of toughness, like Gronkowski was a badass tough dude. Like Kelsey is awesome, and he's one of the best tight ends of all time. But I would never call him like the toughest guy on the team or anything like that. I just don't think that's. That's who he is. So like, I, I think uh, I, I disagree with the whole premise. Like if you can't – Laramie Tunsil in some respects in terms of just like what type of a player he is or anything like that, I think there's a, there's a little bit of Travis Kelsey to him there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would like – so I don't, I don't worry about the fact that they're not the most blue-collar of guys because as long as they're just good at football. Good that's at what football is more matter. important than some yeah.
0: executive's definition of toughness.
1: Yeah. 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 Um, Payne- Isaiah Pacheco, that dude's a badass.
0: Uh yes, yeah. He had a rough one. Right? He had a he had a fumble in that game. Mm-hmm. Wasn't able. So did to...
1: Christian McCaffrey though, but he's plenty tough.
0: Too. He did. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, but I yeah. I just remember Pacheco. They had they had a tough time kind of kind of getting things going with him. Um, I right, and Pendergast with you on a uh, on a Tuesday. You know what I watch? I know you were watching Alexander the Great, Seth. Uh, Go yesterday. Ahead. Um, I watched. I don't know if you've seen it yet. The um, the NFL Network put out the um, it's like a 2-hour special but of them going maybe an hour of them going and knocking on the door of all the guys that made the Hall of Fame. Uh and so I watched you know and Andre Johnson was one of them. Yep. It was really cool.
1: It was Yeah, it's it, really uh, uh, uh Andre gets emotional. Um, super emotional. Mm-hmm. Like crazy. It's Chris Carter Chris Carter with an interesting haircut. I didn't recognize him at first. No, I which didn't I feel either. like that that might have been what Andre was getting emotional about. Uh <laughs> but he did. Yeah, Andre got <laughs>
0: Dre, it's all right, man. Yeah, what you, it's not all right until you
1: cut that thing. Yeah, Andre uh, kind of put his hand on his face and uh, did the like looked up, and you could see he was overcome with emotion and excited. It was uh, it was really really cool. Yeah, to see.
0: I would say go find it. As they were going through all of them, I was thinking like, okay, if this is how they're gonna do it, they used to do it where they'd all be at a hotel. And and that guy David Baker would come by and knock on the hotel door. Yeah, that
1: big that big goon of a human. He's yeah.
0: gigantic. Yeah, but then now it's it, it appears as though they're going to the homes of all these guys, mm-hmm. which was which is is cool to see. Although I was thinking about this, like they went to Andre's home and his home is super impressive. Devin Hester's house is is incredible. You know, these guys all have. And then I'm thinking, boy, what if somebody who gets into the Hall of Fame is kind of down on their luck because that happens. You know, like is.
1: Um, maybe they would do it. Maybe they'd rent a house out, or just have them do it, like well, in the backyard of somebody. That's else's
0: why home. I got thinking about Patrick Willis, because with Patrick Willis, they went to his sister's house, uh-huh. um, which was nice enough, you know. But it, but didn't didn't you say Patrick Willis had like some he financial had, problems?
1: Well, he, he retired early because he was involved in some kind of Silicon Valley investment. Yeah, I don't know if he lost his shirt. He yeah. got screwed over by. Uh, for a bunch of money, but I don't, you know, that doesn't mean necessarily that you're destitute or yeah, anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I don't know. The fact that he didn't try to make a comeback is probably, I, I feel like maybe he was all right. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like he's dead. He had his conservative investments and he had his aggressive investments, but they were, well, remember though too, Sean, uh, this is what Hollywood does. Remember during Hard Knocks, they showed Kevin Johnson and his family on that boat and they made it look like it was Kevin Johnson's dad's boat. And I was kind of like, you know what, frankly, I don't like seeing I don't want. I don't want some kid who, who grew up rich because no. it was a big-ass boat, remember? Yeah. And then Kevin Johnson told us, like, no, that was all staged. Yeah. He just took us out to this boat, and we we're out on this boat. And they made you look soft, right. man. They made it look like your daddy had a big-ass boat. I got no privilege, man. It's all good. I don't have a
0: boat. Um, this is this theory, this text page. This is from Lou. If the Texans had bombed this past season, would Andre Johnson have gotten into the Hall of Fame? I've seen that theory floated around by people that the fact that the Texans became such a feel-good story this year and were much more a part of the tapestry of the NFL in 2023, that that somehow elevated Andre Johnson's Hall of Fame case. Yeah. It's an interesting theory. I'm sure if McClain were sitting here, he would say it's the dumbest thing he's ever heard. Because yeah. he's, the one, he's the one making the sales pitch to put Andre Johnson into the Hall of Fame. Oh,
1: he, hates, he hates theories like that where I'm, uh, I'm a lot more open to the irrational side of human behavior. Yeah. Um, and how people make decisions isn't nearly as often as rational as they like to think they are. Because I remember John, the angriest John ever got at me. And John's had plenty of reasons to get angry at me. It was when I suggested that uh, teams that put out really nice buffets in the press box... Like know what they're doing, that it's gonna, you know, like it. That those those teams tend to be uh, written about as like they're a first class organization. They just do things the right way. And John thought that was the dumbest thing he's ever heard. I
0: think it's a, uh, I think it's a delightful theory myself. I
1: think it's, I think it's the dead on accurate theory. Yes, so like sports writers are the worst for Sorry, calling John. people and or organizations first class based on how they get treated themselves personally. Yep, yep. Like if a guy is polite to the media, oh, he's just a stand up individual. Just just the salt of the earth, this guy. I heard that he like liked to kick puppies on his way to work. Not this guy. Super not nice. Not this guy. He's uh, very polite and uses proper diction when he speaks. I've yes. been to every
0: one of his press conferences, and he has not kicked a single puppy in any of those press conferences. He's,
1: ever, he's never sneered at me when I've asked an incredibly stupid question. <laughs> right. Um, all right. Hey, a reminder, we're giving away Blake Shelton
0: tickets to the rodeo in the next segment, so be listening for that. Um, we're doing that all day long. In the Loop is going to do it as well a couple of times. Uh, I believe the afternoon show's got Carly Pierce tickets for you. Ooh. Uh, yeah, so be listening throughout the day. We're going to get you guys to the uh, to the rodeo for a good time, which starts in just a couple of weeks here. It should be a whole lot of fun. Um, all right, up next, a uh, couple Super Bowl leftovers. The biggest controversy or at least decision that is still being discussed at this point. And did Tony Romo step all over Jim Nance's Super Bowl moment? We will hear and discuss next sports radio 610 presents pain and pendergast all right so kyle shanahan still catching a ton of heat today for his decision catching a ton of heat for two things and i think people are conflating these two things a little too much that one affects the other there he's been getting criticism since the end of the game on Sunday, of taking the ball to start overtime. The new overtime rules for the postseason, which have been in place for a couple of years, but this is the first chance we've had to really test drive them, um, is that both teams get a possession in overtime. Um, And Kyle Shanahan, the 49ers, won the toss. They took the ball. I think the ironic thing is that if the Chiefs had won the toss, then they would have chosen to go second and Kyle Shanahan doesn't get any of this smoke.
1: <laughs> you he know? could have lost the game just as well. The decision would have been made for him. <laughs> sort of thanks a lot for picking tails, Fred Warner. Yeah.
0: So yeah. um so so Kyle Shanahan, the we knew we know what happened. They kick a field goal on their possession, their first possession of overtime. Chiefs go down, score a touchdown, game over. Um I don't think it was as crazy stupid a decision as some people do. I, I really don't. I I can see Kyle Shanahan's argument of the most valuable entity in that whole sequence of things being the ability to have the first possession that is sudden death in overtime. Yeah. I was kind of feeling that while the game was going on, that as it looked like the, the Niners are going to go down and get some points there, that um, that if their defense could just hold up, they'd either win the game or, or at least get the first sudden death possession if they held the Chiefs to a field goal. They didn't. Patrick Mahomes did Patrick Mahomes things. The big thing now that has kind of impacted people's opinion on all this, because I think there were people that already thought it was really stupid for him to take the ball to start overtime before this came out, is the fact that the two teams, the players, were prepared at completely different levels, according to an article in The Ringer, for overtime in the Super Bowl. Justin Reed, Chris Jones, two Kansas City Chiefs both said that, that they've been They've been uh, aware of the rule change since training camp. They've been working on it. They've been internalizing it. This has clearly been part of their preparation, according to those guys. So much so that Chris Jones said that if San Francisco had scored a touchdown to open overtime and the Chiefs were to have gone down and matched that touchdown, the Chiefs would have gone for two to try to win the Super Bowl, which would have been one of the most incredible Super Bowl moments in the history of the game. Um, But the problem for Kyle Shanahan is that not only are there a lot of people out there that disagree with his decision – He literally has players saying they didn't know the rule. They didn't know that Mm -hmm. overtime was different in the postseason. Uh, Eric Armstead saying that the first time he learned of the overtime rules format in the postseason was looking up at the Jumbotron at the Super Bowl. Here was fullback Kyle Juszczyk after the game revealing that he didn't know the overtime rules. You know what? I didn't even realize that the... The playoff rules were
1: different in overtime, so I have, I assumed you just want the ball because you score a touchdown and win. But I guess that's not the case, um, so I don't really I don't totally know the strategy there. No, no, we haven't talked about it. No,
0: it would be weird to find out for the first time that that's the rule. <laughs> that would just yeah, be look, strange.
1: T- yeah, that's the part where you know I know I know that it. it on the surface of it it, you might think okay well what's it really matter anyway whether the players know it or not like Juszczyk said we're going to go down and score I think when when you're not totally comfortable and aware of everything situationally there's a certain amount of stress there and like uh, that matters you know especially in a situation that's already pretty damn stressful over time of the Super Bowl that you add that extra element of uncertainty and and that can slow and gum things up just enough. So that's a very hazy and vague argument about it, and yet I feel like it's real. Yeah.
0: So. I don't know what would have been different if the Niners – like what it would have been different on the field on Sunday night if the Niners players had known the rules were as they were going through. Yeah, to I, don't,
1: I don't think in this situation it ended up mattering. I do think that it might speak to how much time or energy the 49ers actually put into the decision – because, or, or lack thereof, because you hear Andy Reid talk about it and they'd gone over it with their game strategy analyst. They talked about it with the players. They'd rehearsed it to some level or degree. Yeah. Where with Shanahan, maybe he knew how they were going to do it, but they didn't care about it or worry about it to the extent that they actually discussed it with players, apparently. That's where I, I, I wonder, and I guess I question the decision-making. There's that part, too, where, look... The two previous Chiefs drives had been for field goals. They the Chiefs were not just, you know, running down and scoring at will. Yet in that game, is there a part of you that has to factor in not just what's happened in that game, but what Patrick Mahomes has done historically in the Super Bowl? Yeah, you almost have to say, look. There's, all right, listen, can the stats, there's a better chance than not that Pat Mahomes is going to score a touchdown on this drive because that's what he tends to do yeah. in in these moments. I was
0: feeling that. You know, the word yeah. I used yesterday was an, an, an inevitability to it, and it wasn't like an inevitability throughout the, the evening. It was an inevitability once it got to overtime, like, ah, okay, like this is Mahomes' time now, and there's plenty of evidence <laughs> that backs that up that in yeah. these types of moments he's – He's the best right
1: now. I mean, the the part that the part where it really really mattered was is simply this. Okay, let's say if it's fourth and one on the Kansas City thirty four, and the Chiefs had the ball first. Do you think they're going for it, or are they are they punting there? Because um, that's where that was the situation that they had on that drive in overtime. Yeah, it was fourth and one on their yeah. own thirty four. So if it's if Kansas City gets the ball, yeah, score is zero to zero. And they know that, that 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 you know San Francisco, if they can hold them to not scoring a field goal, then they'll have a chance again. What do they do? I uh, I think they go for it. I think anybody goes go for, for it. I think he goes for yeah. it on
0: fourth and one. Yeah. And I think he might go for it in any situation in the game, regardless on fourth and one on their own thirty-four, unless they're unless they've got a two touchdown lead in the last five minutes and punting it away.
1: But it, for, for the one on your own thirty-four, I mean, if you don't make it, you're losing the game.
0: Probably, probably.
1: Yeah, yeah it's a 40 uh a, a, a 51-yard field goal at that point if the if the 49ers can't move the ball at all. A
0: 51-yard field goal for a kicker who had made two over 50 but had had an extra point blocked yeah. and had been very inconsistent. Throughout you gotta, the season.
1: you got to assume the 49ers are going to gain some yardage, too. I agree. Like, yeah. You know, like yeah. even if you hold them to not getting a – free even if it's a three and out, it's probably going to end up being a 40-something yard field goal. Um, But, yeah, I think you do it. I th- you think you go for it. I think, I think he goes there.
0: for it, yeah. and I think he runs that play that the Niners had no answer for, where Mahomes just fakes the handoff and rolls to the right and and goes and gets eight yards. You I know? mean, you
1: look at that Look at that drive that the Chiefs had. I mean, they, they converted a fourth and one – they converted a third and one. Um, it was there were moments in there where knowing exactly what you had to do probably helped them probably. In, in their decision making, you know.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I still don't think it was the no-brainer that some people do for Shanahan to take the ball second instead of taking the ball first. I think there's arguments both ways. Um, the other big thing coming out of the Super Bowl. It was funny. I forget who said it, but the two people with the most pressure on them might have been Stephen A. That said this: two people with the most pressure on them, Brock Purdy and Tony
1: Romo, <laughs> and hey, maybe Romo's may- got that Pujols pressure though. Yeah, like, he got his he got his contract based on what the his employer was hoping to get out of him. Yeah, they're not getting it out of him, and yet <sighs> he's going to keep getting paid on a ten-year contract. The Pujols
0: thing know? is a great analogy, like they, they, yeah. like the the pre. Pre-big contract Romo was Cardinals pool holes. They're getting Anaheim pool holes right now (laughs) with CBS. Um, Here was – this got a lot of criticism after the game, certainly the day after the game because everything gets dissected the day after. Tony Romo – did Tony Romo step on Jim Nance's moment here? Now keep in mind, as we set the scene, this is the final play of a game. They score a touchdown – all the analysis you're going to hear from Tony Romo in a moment where most people would say just shut up and let the moment speak for itself, especially on television. Um, there's no replay going on as he's describing all this stuff. Nothing. It's the Chiefs celebrating. Take a listen. Can
1: only feel the number of people out there being like, "What's going on?" First and goal. Mahomes playing. It's, it's there. Hartman, jackpot, Kansas City. And this was the Andy Reid special. This was the Andy Reid special we talked about. He was saving all day. He's got a fake emotion to go across. And at that moment, he turns and goes back. Hartman, who they didn't
0: have, right? And they go get Hartman and bring him back. And the game-winning drive of Mahomes' career, he's been waiting for. He's won Super Bowls, but he's never had it in an overtime. He is the best. He is the standard. Your Michael Jordan wins it again. Even the thing where he goes... And you, the thing about Hardman, where he's like, and, and Hardman, you, you didn't even have, but you go back and get him. Like there had to be people going, what? What did he talk? He was on the Jets earlier it. this year, and they went back and got him from the Jets. Like that's well, what Roman he started off
1: to. with a pronoun. He said he, so you didn't know who the hell he was. Right, about, right. And he corrected himself and said, I don't, I don't worry as much about the stepping on and all of that. Where I know that like that's a broadcasting no no that seems to start falling by the wayside. In that whole exchange there, what bothered me as a football fan was him over explaining why they weren't, the Chiefs weren't in two minute drill there. That there was going to be there will be, all you needed was a simple reminder that remember, they're going to keep playing this thing until there's a victor. The, it's, it's the postseason, it's the championship game. Yeah. Um, but he kept talking about it right up until the snap to where, Nance didn't have any time to really frame uh, frame or set anything up himself. Yeah,
0: yeah, that was uh, – it was rough. Um, yeah, and we had a few people confused about that. Like, guys, the clock was winding down. Well, they basically, in overtime in the playoffs, start a new game. So that well, would have been – they said
1: like- – people were asking, like, why do they even have a clock at all? And – because okay, if it doesn't matter and you're just going to keep going, the, like the simplest answer is you're gonna you're gonna switch directions and yeah. going into the second quarter. Yeah. So it doesn't matter as much in an indoor stadium, obviously. And I guess but pre- that's the structure pre- of it.
0: Presumably, if it made it through two quarters worth of overtime, then they go to some sort of halftime
1: facsimile. I there? looked for that and I couldn't find anything. Yeah. Oh, oh, would they go to a halftime or would they just keep playing? Well, it I out? don't mean would they yeah. go to the
0: locker room. I mean I'm sure they keep playing, but would you treat it like halftime where? you get to the end of the second quarter and you better score because wherever you are on the field doesn't carry over to the third quarter, right? The half ends. I wonder if that's the case. We'll see. Um, So that was Tony Romo. I thought that the ESPN crew that did the game for Australia and New Zealand, uh, which is Chris Fowler, Louis Riddick, and Dan Orlovsky, like I I think this is a really good template for what it should have sounded
1: like. Clock running inside 10 seconds. They have two timeouts. Can they win it right here? (laughs) Mahomes on the move, throws touchdown. Kansas City wins. Miko Hardman,
0: unbelievable. He's the best player I've ever seen in my life. Unbelievable. Mahomes magic cements his own legacy. See, that was good. Uh, just little, little, just little droplets of comments there from for more and
1: It's hard for me, Sean, because I know like uh, a lot of our listeners. I turned the I turned the game off immediately. I Same. I did as close to, as you can come to not destroying your television as a non fan of the team. You know, if we were my own team, maybe I would have uh, maybe I would have tried real hard to go viral by smashing my own television or something because it sucks all of a sudden anyway. But <laughs> I. Uh, like what percentage of those smashing the television videos? That's what are? I was just
0: about to ask you the same thing. Because when I it's saw a, it's one,
1: se- it's definitely people that are like watching their crappy television, right? That they're about to replace anyway. Maybe
0: I, I guess if, if you've ever been part of a viral television smashing video, text in seven one three five seven two four six ten. But I saw a great one. Keep in mind, I'm a wrestling fan, so I'm able to suspend disbelief on almost anything. So I choose to believe they're all real, and thus I'm entertained by them. And I even told my Twitter audience yesterday, please tag me on any of these that you see, which they were kind enough to do. But I did have a few people reply like, you do know those are all fake, right, all these videos. (laughs) And I'm like, first of all, I don't think all of them are fake. And secondly, I can suspend disbelief enough to assume that they're real and enjoy them just as much. So take uh, take your wet blanket viral video self somewhere else, all right?
1: Yeah, that's – it's um, – the other thing, too, is when people will say, like, well, why is there a camera running – I don't know, man. There's cameras running all the time, everywhere these days. So I'm not. I'm. I'm always. You know me, Sean. I'm pretty skeptical about anything, and I usually assume something is staged before I believe that it's real. You're But it's not like skeptic. you can say that they're all staged all the time, right? There are people that are do just have cameras run at any given time at a party these days. There's probably 19 active video cameras going in the form of cell phones. I agree,
0: especially in the last play of a game, because that's what yeah. people do. They film reaction videos. All right, let's give away some tickets here to the uh, to the old rodeo. Um, Blake Shelton, that's who you're hearing right there. 713-572-4610. Caller number five wins a pair of tickets to see Blake Shelton. Live at the Houston Livestock Show and Rodeo, February the 27th. Caller number five, get in. 713-572-4610. And keep listening all day long. In the Loop we will have Blake Shelton tickets. The Drive will have Carly Pierce tickets. Two more chances to win on each of those shows today. Uh, here on Sports Radio 610. All right, um, up next, chances that the Texans play in the season opener. Where where are the where are the experts? Where are we ranking their chances of being the team the Chiefs open up against? And what do Texan fans most want to see out of one of the potential mega road games this year? I've got that. I pulled the people. I took it to the people yesterday. That is next. Live from the Twin Peaks studios, Sports Radio 610 presents...
1: Payne and Pendergast.
0: Pendergast with you on a uh, on a Tuesday. Um, so the um, the big one of the other big topics coming out of the Super Bowl yesterday was who's Kansas City going to play in the opener. That was something we actually yeah. discussed on the show yesterday. I put a post up on the Houston Press this morning that was kind of power ranking the eight potential opponents for the Chiefs in their season opener next year. For those who are unfamiliar, whoever wins the Super Bowl hosts the season opener on Thursday night football. We know that here locally, the Chiefs won the Super Bowl back in 2019. And in 2020, the Texans and Deshaun Watson played the Chiefs in Kansas City in the COVID season. And four games later, Bill O'Brien was fired. But the Texans have some potentially juicy games on the road schedule. They got a ton of good home games. Like next year's schedule is going to be awesome, it's going to be hard. But if the Texans have the offseason we hope they can have and CJ Stroud takes his next step and health is good and everything else, it could yeah. be a really fun season. but they've got they've got four games that could potentially be specialty type games. They won't all be, but they could be and we brought up this possibility yesterday and I was curious what the people want to see not what game you would go to, but just what game you would want to watch them play in uh, of these and these are the can I guess these are the, yes uh, uh, let me okay. read the four. The four potential, I'll call them specialty games that the Texans could play in, the season opener at Kansas City, Thanksgiving at Dallas, and then two of the London games are hosted by one by Jacksonville and one by Minnesota. Those are both teams that the Texans have road games against this year. So they could potentially play either Jacksonville or Minnesota in Dallas. So my question that I asked the people, uh, Seth, was, the Texans could play any of these games. Which one would you most want to see them play in?
1: I think uh, the answer, and I'm going to guess this was by a wide margin. Mm-hmm. After I thought about this yesterday after the show, Thanksgiving at Dallas uh, for multiple reasons in terms of Dallas versus Houston, whatever, but also because a lot of Texans fans will think, oh, that'd be nice. I'd rather do that on Thanksgiving than spend time with my in-laws. I'm going to go up to Dallas. I'm going to go see a Thanksgiving game. That's... So, yeah. <laughs> That's a,
0: let, me be, let me be very clear, because my in-laws listen to the show.
1: I know you never shut up about how that's, much you hate Thanksgiving.
0: That's not true. Oh. That's not true. I was just about to give you some love for a great answer <laughs> while caveating that I really enjoy my in-laws and going to their house on Thanksgiving. I think it's a funny, funny point.
1: Um, no, I'd say even my laws, not just my in-laws, but my laws. But your themselves. laws is oh yeah, actual yeah, family members. Any kind of relative whatsoever. Yeah. Like if it involves human interaction, I'm generally not into it. Okay. You know what?
0: That's yeah. pretty. That, that's actually fortunately the humans that I spend Thanksgiving with are ones that I enjoy. But I could see that being a factor as well. Two thirds, sixty-seven percent of the people Seth, say yeah. Thanksgiving at Dallas Boy, would be their I, preference.
1: I know that's one I wonder with the TV networks. Okay. I think those they get big numbers no matter what on those games it seems like. Obviously you want a good matchup, but I almost wonder if it's kind of like uh kind of like in the NBA with when teams are load managing, they're like, "Well, why bother? Why bother playing my best players against this really good team when there's only a 50-50 chance of winning? I'll just save them for the crap uh the crap opponents." I feel like they might um I think I feel like they might look at that Thanksgiving Dallas game and say like, well, yeah, sure, the Texans would get a big pop, um, especially because they're two potentially good teams. But why don't we just people are going to watch on Thanksgiving anyway? We'll put one of the lesser teams out there. They played
0: Washington this year for sake of reference, which is a division rival. But you know, Washington has some blue blood qualities to them. It's been a while. Um, I think what's interesting about your take there is that you're you know you're basically saying that the Texans are a draw by. By having to take your having, which is that eh, do they put the Texans on there? Do they waste having a good game like that, or you know, do they burn a, a, wor- a lesser team since a yeah. hundred million people or whatever, you know, fifty million people are going to watch anyways, whatever the number I is? Would,
1: I would like that game just to see all of the different graphics. That the TV people come up with for stereotypically Texan stuff. I don't think you'll have ever seen as many Spurs and barbecues uh, and oil derricks. as Oh you will yeah, in that broadcast. Oh, for it, all Texas. They're going to Texas it up. Yes, yeah, yeah good. Like point. every cliche Texas thing they can uh, that that some <laughs> some intern from New York City thinks of with with Texas, they would have it there.
0: Um, by the way, second place season opener in Kansas City. Uh, that was 24%, 25% of the people. And then the two London games are basically just mice nuts. It was <laughs> 4% for one and <laughs> three, 3% for the other, yeah. Mice, that, does that mean nuts.
1: like mice testicles or nuts that a mouse would eat?
0: I use it as mice testicles, but uh, okay. you can use it however
1: you want. Uh, I, I don't think people get excited about going to London. Uh, I don't think people get excited about like, oh, awesome, finally I get to visit <laughs> London and watch American football on a soccer field which usually features some of the worst examples of American football ever. For whatever reason, they these are six to three affairs over in London.
0: Those are games where if I change the question, yeah, if I added two simple words, I think the question, the results would change drastically. Pick the one you most want to see them play in person. If I added in person... Then I think yeah. the London games shoot way up the board. You think uh, so? Yeah, yeah, I think so. I mean, yeah,
1: it'd be, a, it'd be a, yeah, kind of a once in a lifetime experience. I, I, yeah, yeah, I
0: don't, I don't think they win. I think Dallas would still win. In fact, maybe even more people vote for Dallas because they're like, hell yeah, I would go I'd jump in the car and I'll go to a Cowboy game and yell at some Cowboy fans. That'd be
1: great. Would that be a genuine once in a lifetime experience, or would that be like Steve Francis uh, going to the Super Bowl once in a lifetime experience? Which one, London or Dallas? Uh, London, sorry, London. Would go, yeah, going to Dallas, you can do that anytime. Yeah. I think most people would only go to London to watch an American football game once in their lifetime. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah. so. I think so. Remember, Steve Francis explained that he had to miss the team playing uh, because he wanted to attend the Super Bowl in Houston, which was a once-in-a-lifetime experience. <laughs> That's which right feel like if you're a starting point guard in the NBA, you, you you have the option of going to the Super Bowl every year if Dude, you'd like. Yes. as long as your <laughs>
0: lifetime goes for a little while, you're going to be fine. Yeah, you can go to any yeah. Super Bowl you want to. Hell, Steve Francis is probably in Vegas this past weekend
1: at <laughs> the Super Bowl. <laughs> once in a lifetime, Yeah, Sean. once in a
0: lifetime. <laughs> um, So you pointed this out to me earlier, Seth. Jonathan Feliciano, a an offensive lineman for the 49ers, he was their starting right guard in the Super Bowl, went out of the game with an injury and was replaced with uh, he was replaced by Spencer Burford, who at one time himself was the starter and Feliciano replaced him. But um there was a, a Twitter account from somebody named Coach Yak, who is one of these accounts that posts film of plays and gives his opinion on what happened on the play. And the, the final play from scrimmage for the Niners in this game before kicking a field goal in overtime, Chris Jones just came on a free run right at Brock Purdy. Yeah. And this Coach Yak tweets a video of the play and says, Colton McKivitz, who's the right tackle for the Niners, has one, of the, has one of the best players in the game lined up in front of him, Chris Jones, and he decides to give him a free rush to Brock Purdy. Sickening! Jonathan Feliciano sees this, retweets it, and says, I know you know all, so you should know that's not Colton's guy. So Chris mm-hmm. Jones was not Colton McKivick's responsibility. Jonathan Feliciano says a quick chop is not a. Rep- I guess this coach Yak said, "Well, what about a quick chop, right?" Like yeah, to- basically,
1: still tried to blame the right tackle, yeah. even though Jonathan Feliciano said that's not his guy. Right. So he Jonathan- said, what about a quick? He should give him a quick chop. Yeah. yeah. And-, and Feliciano <laughs> says
0: a quick chop is not needed if the guy that was supposed to block him blocks him. Basically, through the right guard his replacement under the bus. Did Feliciano? Yeah. Spencer Burford wakes, or he, he uh, yesterday afternoon, tweets, Sheesh, I open up my app to this. Get well soon, bro. To Feliciano. Basically saying, yeah. Feliciano, man, you threw me under the bus. <laughs> a
1: little bit of a passive-aggressive get well soon there. Yeah, say, right? yeah, yeah, probably.
0: Yeah. Um, here was Jonathan Feliciano's reply a few hours later in his apology. I'm sorry, bro. I woke up hungover and being a biatch. I'm trying to have one's back. In, in trying to have one's back, I hurt you. It's effed up, and I apologize. You got nothing but greatness ahead of you. I'm so sorry, bro. Or I'm sorry, bro. So, um, so Feliciano apologizing, and rightfully so. He did throw Burford under the bus by saying it was his responsibility, not the right tackle's responsibility. How do we feel about his apologies, Seth? I've got the, ele- um, I get the elements I- right here in front of me.
1: I'm gonna say uh, the he did that classic thing where you ruin an apology with an explanation. I woke up hungover and being a biatch. So, uh, he, but he did. He said I'm sorry twice. So he said the actual words. Yeah. That's important. Yeah. Um, he, uh, I, I think he acknowledged that he hurt him, showing empathy. That's one of the check, checklist items. Yep. But the biggest thing is that he he should have left out. I woke up hungover and being a bitch. I know that from. Um, I think one time I apologized to Landry, and I think I cited being hungover as an excuse for it, also, while still apologizing. And Landry basically did not accept the apology. Okay. I don't remember. I don't remember what it was over or what it was about. Mm-hmm. Um, I said uh, probably once every six months I apologize to Landry about something, uh, but this one was not accepted by Landry because I, and it, which is true, it's fair. I learned that lesson. Like, oh yeah. Like uh, it, If you do something wrong, you do something wrong. Yeah. You don't make excuses for why you did something Number wrong.
0: Number four on the list of the elements of a good apology, don't make excuses. Yeah, so, yeah. There was that. Yeah. I, I would also add to this particular apology. Um, he didn't need to mix in, you got nothing but greatness ahead of you. Uh, mm-hmm. to Burford um, Feliciano replaced Burford Like Burford may, Burford might not be on the team next year what do you mean you got greatness ahead of you like he's will he Shields a little bit like,
1: like telling your wife's ex-husband who's like down in the dumps and you know like living in a gutter like hey things are going to be awesome for yeah. you moving forward I'm sure <laughs> yes. I'm still doing your wife though you know. <laughs> that's not going to change but other things will get better
0: right same exact <laughs> thing same exact she thing she always
1: talks about how little sex you guys had it's weird because we haven't had that problem
0: Looking for this on the filter of the apology. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Say why it won't happen again. It steps. It's irre- if, it's oh. re- if it's relevant, make reparations.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Say why it won't happen again in the case of the actual football thing here. Yeah. I guess uh I, the whole thing there is because I see a lot of people responding to this saying, "Like, well, if it's true, it's true." The old, the old crew of humans who think that as long as something's true, yeah. you can say it loudly to many. Yeah, <laughs> But it's like good, it's good conduct to say it out loud. Right. I would just explain the offensive line, especially, yeah. is very, very strict about not selling people out. Yeah, like you it's a don't sell. Room. You don't sell the guy next to you out to a coach. Like, I've seen guys, you know what the O-line will do, too? They'll ostracize people. Ooh, they'll really? have a kangaroo court, and it's one of the, it's, it's like, it's a good sociology experiment. Okay. It's, it's kind of freaky how much it affects people. So, like, if you're, a, if you're an offensive lineman who routinely sells out your teammates to the coach and, like, you know, blames them or whatever, yeah. they'll ostracize you where they don't, they give you the silent treatment for, like, a week. Yikes. It's devastating. Be yeah. better, O-line. Yeah. Um, John Lopez is here,
0: man. That's John, awesome. you came in, <laughs> you came in strong yesterday. Guns a-blazing. The beginning of your show, yeah. Like Yosemite about, Sam about <laughs> about right. how ridiculous Kyle Lopez, <laughs> how ridiculous Kyle Shanahan's decision to take the ball at the beginning of overtime. Right? I have it not lost change, the game. I have not changed. My Here's mind. my question for you. Yes, sir. I think I know what the answer is going to be. <laughs> were you screaming at your television at the beginning of overtime that he was doing the wrong thing?
1: Uh, screaming might be a little long, uh, okay. but I was talking to the television. Uh, absolutely. You were? A- absolutely. What are you doing? Okay. What are you doing? That's I think the words, and I said this on the air yesterday, that's Patrick Mahomes over there.
0: No right, yeah. Patrick Mahomes who had scored one touchdown the entire game on like a ten yard drive. That's Patrick Mahomes over there. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, I, uh, where where are you on this, Landry? I, I, I didn't think it was like egregious uh, of a decision. I didn't. Yeah. I didn't think it was that. that yeah, I, I, didn't I, I didn't see I both sides. Yeah, yeah, I didn't. I didn't think it was it, it, it's too bad.
1: I didn't think it was. Well, I then mean, the I ac- wouldn't do it. The yeah. explanation was well, we were really hoping for the third possession. The third possession. Well, I mean, <laughs> that's not exactly. Good planning that, when you
0: <laughs> that actually made sense to me. I don't yeah. know what this says about me. Maybe it's maybe I've got a overtime analytics blind spot that uh, that I need to work. Everybody
1: on. Everybody has different. I mean, it, it, it is opinion. I mean, let's
0: be honest. Yeah, uh, but 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 mine is very strong. Like you, you don't do that. Uh, you, thanks you,
1: for thanks for making it clear that's opinion. John. You, you, that's, don't, you don't. don't. I was, do that. I thought it was fact you, for a you minute.
0: Don't, I'll tell you when it's fact. <laughs> Even, Even, when it's <laughs> Even when it's opinion. <laughs> Even when it's opinion. I'll tell you when it, it's fact. When it is fact. Yes. Okay. Yes.
1: By the way, I heard y'all talking. Seth, I, did, the I, I think he's mi- he's missed the, the conversation we had about the hungover. I was actually standing up for Seth because we were talking about the uh, the radio row incident, which I don't, I know you don't like oh. to bring up. And I said yeah. I said that you've been like overly accountable f- for for someone else just being a complete slimeball, oh. and you being hungover
0: like that that had nothing to do with why that happened.
1: Oh no, no, yeah, you're right. Yeah, like I was transgressed upon for that. No, this was like a long time ago. Like it might have been even like when you were still like when we were on the same show together. Uh-huh. It was it was something where I apologized, but I kind of also at the same time explained that I was really hungover or whatever. And it was um and then you I like it, it was it was valid it was valid Well the thing is lesson. I was
0: probably hung over when you were apologizing to me so <laughs> I was kind of so like kind on it So the whole thing is a
1: god blessing <laughs> everyone's you know, hung over Basically I apologized and then like later on I had said like hey I apologize and you said I mean, kind of, I guess, and that's when I realized. I realized, like, oh, okay, yeah, I get it. So i've I've always, uh, i've i've always tried to be better about my apologies since then. It's hard, though, man. It's hard to swallow big. <laughs> it is. Pie. It, it it is. <laughs> Got to read the
0: elements of a good apology before you actually apologize. Um, the art of the apology. The art of the apology. All right. Um, hey, we uh, we are done. We are out of time. Uh, This was Crosstalk, brought to you by D&M Leasing. You're listening to KLT, KLT HD2, and Odyssey Station. Seth, antibodies to you. I'll see you tomorrow. Antibodies,
1: and I'm sorry for anything I ever did while I was sick or ill or hungover. Or hungover. Yeah, or just... (laughs) A genuine apology, although, you know, it was (laughs) awesome.
0: Indeed. Yeah, but I did drink a lot the night before. (laughs) All right, we're done.